This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Uh, we welcome you guys. We, uh, we thank you for, uh, for, for being here. Church of the Harvest, if you're a guest with us, we appreciate it. Um, we, we're, we're a family of Christ followers. We love God, and because we love God, we, we, we love people, and we serve the world as the hands and feet of Jesus. And so... Um, as a church family, we, um, we meet in community groups throughout the week, uh, throughout the community, uh, but we still have Sundays coming together and, and, uh, and worshiping the Lord together corporately. As I always say, at Harvest, we're just a small expression of the body of Christ, and uh, we, we've chosen to link arms and fulfill God's purposes in the earth together, right? That's what we are. We're a family. And so uh, if you're part of the Harvest family, what is our vision? It is to make, grow, and equip followers of Jesus to fulfill their God-given purpose in life. And we do that through community, discipleship, and outreach. For, um, for over a year now, really, we have been discussing um, our identity as, uh, as Christ followers. Uh, really, we've discussed more of our responsibility as, as Christ followers, those who have surrendered their, their life to the lordship of Jesus, who have repented of their sin, turned from that, and surrendered to the lordship of Jesus. And so, you know, I was, I've been thinking the last several weeks that you know, if we're really going to uh, continue to discuss identity, how many of you know that to discuss identity, we have to have some kind of understanding of ourselves. We, we have to know who and what we are. How can we fulfill God's purpose for our life if we don't know who we are? How can we fill our purpose? Somebody says, well, just do your job, but you don't know what your job is. Okay, yeah, okay. I don't know what the expectations are. And so if we're going to talk about identity, we've got to dig in and we've got to understand who and what we are. And so uh, I, I'm doing this new, it may just be two or three weeks, doing this, this new little short series, but I'm calling it time for a checkup. How many of you love getting a checkup? Guys, I would suggest that regularly we need to do self-examination and we need to do a checkup. Now, hopefully most of us are responsible adults, and, and we go to a medical professional periodically to make sure that there's no issues before they're a problem in our life, right? And, and so in the same way, we've got to do those kind of things in, uh, with, with every part of us. And so being the beginning of the year, I thought, let's do a little bit of a checkup. Let's look at ourselves as we talk about identity. But in order to do that, we've got to establish a baseline of who and what we are. And so in Scripture, you guys know that it's, it's very clear that God is a triune being, right? He is made up of three parts. He is Father, He is Son, He is Holy Spirit. And guys, this wasn't really, it wasn't really looked at this way in the Old Testament. But by the New Testament, they had the idea. Why? Because they understood that Jesus was the Son of the Father, right? And He sent the Holy Spirit, Right? So they begin to have this understanding of the triune God. And so in this, uh, when you look through Scripture, looking back into the Old Testament, you begin to recognize, once you have that understanding, you look back and you begin to recognize throughout Scripture that all three parts of the Godhead are present. From, from the very first two verses of Genesis, guys, we see the Godhead. And one of the most familiar examples that we see in Scripture comes from Matthew chapter 3. And there are several Scriptures I'm going to read you today, and I'm going to read from other translations because you're so familiar with these. But in Matthew chapter 3, we see Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist. And so in chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, I'm going to read to you from the Passion Translation. It says, And as Jesus rose up out of the water, the heavenly realm opened up over him. He saw the Holy Spirit descend out of the heavens and rest upon him in the form of a dove. Then suddenly the voice of the Father shouted from the sky saying, this is the Son I love and my greatest delight is in him. Now you guys can already see it, right? You see right there from the get-go. In the beginning, it says in verse 16, and Jesus rose out of the water. Later in that verse it says, he saw the Holy Spirit descend. In verse 17, it says the voice of the Father shouted. You see all three parts of the Godhead present in one moment in history, Right? Most people, like I say, don't realize that the complete Godhead was present at creation. And you guys know, uh, you probably know the first couple of verses of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, I'm going to read from the English Standard. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and the darkness was over the face of the deep. 
And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was what? There was light. So if you look at this, in verse 1, God created the heavens. It's referring to the, it's referring to the Father. It's God that's there in the beginning. In the beginning. And then in verse 2, it says, The earth was out, form void, darkness of the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. It's referring to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was coming in and hovering over the face of the waters of the formless and void earth. And then verse 3 is where you got to look a little deeper. How did God create? It says, And God said. It was with his word, right? What does John tell us at the beginning of the book of John as he's describing Jesus? What does he call him? He calls him the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is Jesus. Look. In verse 2, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Guys, each part of the Godhead was present in creation. So how many of you know that each of the three parts has a very important function? It has a very important role. We don't look at one as any more important than another. You may remember a few months ago, and we were um, going through the book of Ephesians, I talked about the Godhead, and I was talking about this, how, how the role of the Godhead, and how God the Father is the one who has the vision and the plan, right? And then you've got God the Son being Jesus, who is the one who executes the plan. Right? And then you've got God, the Holy Spirit, is the one who comes in and he reveals God's plan to mankind. We, we saw that when we were talking about that last time, we were talking about Jesus going to the cross. God the Father had that plan from the beginning. We see it in Genesis chapter 3, that for Jesus to go to the cross. Jesus comes and he executes the plan of God, the plan that God had all the way back at Genesis chapter 3. Jesus ascends into heaven and the Holy Spirit comes and reveals the plan to mankind. Make sense? Each part plays a very important function, a very important role. Now, they each work together. Each three parts of the Godhead work together in unity to accomplish God's purposes, right? So with that in mind, the Bible is also clear that we were created in God's image, right? And we too are triune beings, right? Yes? We are also triune beings. We have three distinct important parts. Now, our parts don't always work together real well. As a matter of fact, many times they like doing their own thing. And we're trying to rein them in, right? They try to work independently. But we are made up of three parts. What are they? Spirit, soul, and body. At the core, we are spirit. That's right. That's who we are. We are a spirit, right? Now, we are a spirit. We have a soul which was given to us by the Father, and we have a body, right? So when you think about this, you know, you, you're a spirit just like God. You have a soul. We define our, the soul as our mind, our will, and our emotions. I, and I asked Dad this question the other day. I said, so does God have a soul? It's like, what? He has a mind, and he has a will, and he has emotions. As we define that, yes, he does. And then, unlike God, except for when Jesus came, we also have a third part called the body. And the body is our spirit and soul's gateway to the natural world, right? It's how our spirit and soul express themselves in the natural world. So, how many of you know that if you're born again, your spirit wants to do what pleases God and wants to live righteously? We also have the soul, the mind, the will, and the emotions. It has other plans. How many of you been there? How many of you there right now? Because you're sitting there going, I'm hungry. And I, no, no, I'm just kidding. I am kind of hungry. Our soul wants to figure everything out on its own. It wants to be self-sufficient. It wants to be accepted and liked by everybody around us. Our soul has all these all these other thoughts and, and desires. And then there's our body, who our body wants to do what feels good and please itself. So you've got these three parts. Now, each of these three parts, I, I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, each of these three parts is constantly vying for control of your life. 
And as I said a few weeks ago, many times the soul and the body, their, their desires are kind of more aligned, and so they double-team the spirit, which makes things difficult sometimes, doesn't it? Remember what Paul said in Romans chapter 7? In the New Living Translation, he says, I don't really understand myself. How many of you ever been there? I just don't get myself. What is the deal? For I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But I know that what I'm doing, but, I, but if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, <laughs> this shows I agree that the law is good. Let me read from the, to you from the Message Bible. It says, what I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. I have you would agree, God's commands are necessary in your life, right? Because we can't always be trusted to do what's right. True? So there is this war inside of us for control. And the spirit is surrendered to God and to righteousness, and it, it, and it wants that for the entire life, for, for every part of you. And then the soul and the body are sitting back going, I don't think so. I know what I want, and I want it now, Right? Can you see this in your own life? I've thought before, you know, wouldn't it be great? You know, we're always, we're, we're keeping, a, a, as believers, we want to please God and we keep a tight rein on our soul and our flesh. Wouldn't it be great sometimes we could just mute them or cut them out of the picture or, or, or whatever else it may be? But here's the reality, guys. That's not the way it works. God gave us the spirit he gave us this new creation spirit and we were born again, but he commanded us to renew our minds. That's our soul. And, and that's why we are told to buffet or discipline our bodies. He took care of the spirit part and says, now, I've given you everything you need. I need you to take care of these other two parts. They're vital. They're essential to the mission. I need you to take care of them. Does this make sense? And, but... We get this idea that the soul and the body are bad. The soul and the body are not bad at all. They're great things. God gave you a soul and he gave you a body. And just like each part of the Godhead is important, each part of you, your flesh, your, your body, and your soul is very important. As a matter of fact, when Jesus ascended into heaven, what was his last command to us? He said, you go into the world and make disciples, right? Now, if we're going to do that, we've got to understand something. God called you to fulfill the Great Commission, you individually, but he called you to do it as a spirit, as a soul, and as a body. Each part is absolutely vital to fulfilling the purpose and the plan that God has for your life. Which tells me we need to take a lot of care of our spirit, of our soul, and of our body. Does this make sense? They're vital to the mission. We, all the time, we quote 1 Corinthians, I hit it again, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 through 20. It says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Now, usually when we use this, when we use this verse, we're talking about how we need to take care of our physical bodies. And, and yes, that's, that is very true. But there's more to it than that. We got to remember, again, that our bodies are the gateway to the natural world. Our bodies contain our soul and our spirit. Right? It's, it's, our body is more of a container. Many times we refer to it as a vessel. It's a container for our soul and our spirit in this natural world. Uh, the Holy Spirit is a spirit. And the temple of the Holy Spirit, how many of you know, is not a physical form. Our body is what contains, that, that in the natural, this temple is contained within our bodies. Does this make sense? Now, I do want to talk further about taking care of our spirit. That's what we're going to talk about today um, so that we are ready to be effective for the work of ministry. But get ready, guys, because here's the thing. If we're going to talk about taking care of 
and, and having our spirit ready. If we're talking about being spiritually healthy, then we also, we need to talk in the coming weeks on the soul and the body as well, right? And here's the thing. As the, as the so-called spirit-filled church, we love to talk about the spirit, right? Ah, oh, my spirit, hallelujah, I am redeemed by the, you know, we, we love talking about it. We'll talk about the spirit all day long. But you start talking about the soul, you start talking about the mind, our thoughts, our emotions. Well, you're getting a little too personal with me right now, right? We don't like people treading on that quite so much. And especially you start talking about the body, people start getting mad, right? My body, right? People start getting mad at you. But here's the thing. The Bible has a lot to say about all three areas of our life, and they are all vital to the mission. And if we're willing to let the, let the word address our spirits, but not our souls and our bodies, then we're being hypocritical. Right? So, are we all in for God, or are we not? We need to look at what the Bible says about these three parts um, of our lives. And, and understand, guys, understand this. If you neglect even one of these areas in your life, it will diminish your effectiveness for God. Now, understand, you can be saved being a new creation spirit, but if your soul is down and out, if you are always down and out and depressed and anxious, how effective can you be for God? You can be a new creation, but if your body is always broke down and sick, and if you don't take even just the most very basic care of this vessel that God has given you to contain your soul and your spirit, how effective can you be for God in accomplishing the purpose he has for your life? It's gotten quiet. But to talk about the body, to talk about the soul and talk about the body, we have to talk about the spirit first. Because we, as a spirit, when your spirit is surrendered to God, it is the standard, it is the standard by which we must bring our body and our soul into line. You can't be at peace in your soul and your body if you're not in peace in spirit. We start there. That's the baseline, right? Now, we know that we were all, we were born into the earth as sinners. And Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that when, from the moment we were born, we were born under a curse. And that we were actually had the nature of the devil working in us before we were born again. But when we came to Christ, we received salvation and we became a brand new person. And so 2 Corinthians 5, 17 you guys know this. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. Now, let's leave that verse on the screen for a minute because I want you to understand. Firstly, guys, this is not in any way referring to your body. True? Not in any way. Because if you were a man before you were saved, you were a man after you got saved. You became a new person, but it's not talking about the body. It's not talking about the soul. If you were 200 pounds the moment before you received Christ, you were 200 pounds the moment after you received Christ. So it's not referring to the body in any way here. Your body didn't change. Your soul didn't change either. Now, how many of you would agree our souls need to change? But the reality is that's why we have to renew our minds. The soul is supposed to change. We have to renew our minds. Then we will experience a change in our mind, our will, and our emotions as we do that continuously. God said, I'll do the work and I'll give you the new spirit. But now you do your part and you take care of the soul and the body. But in the spirit, a lot of people think that they just got like this extreme makeover. How many of you watch extreme makeover? Home edition. Watch that. Move that bus. Guys, we didn't just get a makeover. We became a new species of being when we became the new creation. Your spirit is brand new. And it actually, it really bothers me when I hear Christians talking about their sin nature. Because your nature is spirit. And if it's surrendered to Christ, it is brand new. There 
is, if you are surrendered to the Lord, there is no sin nature in you. You have the nature of your father. Now, your body and soul will try to resist this new nature, right? Because they're still kind of self-centered and not yet perfected. But there is no sin nature in you if you're redeemed by the blood. You have the nature of God. And many people struggle with this because they were raised with this old nature versus, versus sin nature type theology. And they've been taught that after salvation, basically they're the same at the core and they're going to spend their whole life trying to restrain their sin nature. That's a big old job. Especially if you already believe that you still have a sin nature. That's tough. They literally believe that you have two natures. I read somebody the other day, somebody, somebody said, Christ followers, as Christ followers, we are not schizophrenic. You don't have multiple personality disorder. You don't have multiple nature disorder. This kind of thinking produces Christians that are nothing like Christ. You are a new creation, a new species of being, and there is no sin nature within you. The old sin nature is gone. When it left, it did leave behind a soul and a body that need to be taken care of, need to be kept in check. Remember the old cartoons when, when uh, Wile E. Coyote and Sylvester the cat had the little devil, little angel on the shoulder? The little angel always trying to encourage him to do what's right, and the little devil always trying to tempt him to do what's wrong. Guys, it's an interesting picture when you think about it as far as the war between the, the spirit, the soul, and the body. However, we've got to understand that if we have surrendered to the lordship of Jesus, there is no devil in us. There is no evil. There is no curse. There is no sin nature. We were given the, the soul. The soul might need some freedom from its old ways. It, it, it will, I guarantee you. But the sin nature and the devil are not within you. You are a spirit who has a soul and lives in a body. The real you is spirit. And it's a spirit, it's in spirit that you have been totally changed and made just like Jesus. John 4, 24 says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in what? In spirit and in truth. The Message Bible says, God is sheer being itself, spirit. Those who worship him must do it out of their very being. What is their very being? Their spirits, their true selves in adoration. Let me give you some great news, guys. God is is spirit, and he deals with us based on who we are in spirit. Some of you don't understand that. That's why we have people who won't come to church and say, well, I'll, maybe I'll go one day once I get my life in order a little bit. You're looking at the flesh. He deals with you as who you are in spirit. Come surrender your life to him and let him begin over time, begin to deal with all those things in your life that you feel like you need to deal with. I understand you feel conviction walking into the church with some of the things you're struggling with in your life, but that's not what God's looking at. He's looking at your spirit and he wants to make it a new creation. And then those good works will begin to flow out of that new creation spirit. As believers today, this is the best news ever in that God deals with us in spirit because it obliterates a works-minded theology. How many of you know you can never be good enough to earn salvation? You can never do enough to earn God's approval. That's not the way it works. You repent and you surrender your spirit to the Lord, allowing him to make it brand new without a sin nature and giving you his grace, which makes it possible to live a life that is free from sin. And this frustrates some people because they'll say, well, well, then you're saying that Christians can live however they want to with no consequences. Nope. Doesn't matter if you're saved or unsaved. You suffer the consequences of your actions in the earth, right? Some guy sitting on death row can receive Jesus and become a brand new creation, but he's still going to the chair, right? We still suffer the consequences of our actions, 
What I am saying is if you have truly repented and you are surrendered to the lordship of Jesus, your future fleshly sins do not send you to hell. And some of y'all should be jumping up and down over that. That's the, praise God, because I know I'm going to be dealing with my attitude at some point this week. But I can rest assured that I can repent and I'm still in right standing before God. Right? I might have to deal with that bad attitude. I might have to deal with the consequences of that bad attitude. But I'm still clean before him. Right? Your future fleshly sins do not send you to hell. Why? Because it's our sin. Our, our sin is soulish. They come forth from our soul. They're not our spirit. They're not the true you if you have truly repented and surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus. However, I have to say this. I have to question, I have to question the salvation of somebody who says they're a Christ follower, but there has been no change in their life over the years. They have no qualms with living a life in sin. I encourage you to do a uh, evaluation, a self-evaluation as soon as possible and figure out whether your life is truly surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus, right? Anyway. Um, we now worship God based on who we are in spirit and not what we feel or even what we do in the flesh. And understand that our God, a holy God, can love us and have a relationship with us because we are a born-again new creation spirit. You are totally righteous and holy. Ephesians 4.24 says, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Guys, we were created a new creation being for good works. Good work should be coming out of us as Christ's followers. I've been reading, um, actually, we um, uh, kind of bumped into somebody we, we knew years ago, uh, a guy by the name of Mike Petzer, um, ran into him a couple weeks ago at the conference in Orlando. He, um, back in the day, he actually traveled with, uh, with Phil Smithhurst when they were real young men. They traveled all over the world, out in the bush, out places, ministering the gospel, evangelizing. He's real close to Dr. Leon, but he wrote a book that um, I've been reading, um, actually, it's Aaron's book, he's got to read for, for AMT, uh, but it's called The Gospel of Identity. And he comes to this point uh, in the book where he, he's talking about Jesus telling Nicodemus that you must be born again. It, it, not an optional thing. This is the starting point. You must be born again. And then everything begins to change. And so I was just going to quote this for just a minute. I thought this was good and, and kind of made the point here. Here's what, here's what Mike says in this book. He says, he did not start by saying you must live holy. That's not what he told Nicodemus. He said you must be born again. He didn't start by saying you must live holy, be righteous, or even get your life cleaned up. No, he said he needed a new birth. The results of a godly life would follow the new birth, but without it, we would be just like those who held to a form of godliness, although um, they denied its power. Jesus preached first the cause rather than the effects of the new life. Because if a believer truly possesses the cause, the new identity through the birth, through new birth, and if he understands that he is a partaker of the truth, the positive effects of right living will flow naturally. To put it another way, he says we must begin with the root and not the fruit if we are looking for true godly results. Focusing on the problem is just cutting off the top of the weeds. They will quickly grow back again. We've got to focus on the spirit first. And as a new creation in Christ Jesus, you are righteous and holy. Not a single blemish. Not a sin nature. Holy and righteous. As a matter of fact, you know what I was thinking? You know why we're redeemed from the law? Because the law wasn't created for the righteous man. The law is not needed. If you're truly righteous and you're of a kingdom where all are holy and blameless, the law is irrelevant. Does that make sense? There's no need for it. 
That's why I was just thinking, even the song that we were just singing. Who can ascend till the hill of the Lord? You, because you have clean hands and pure hearts in spirit. It's not talking about our bodies, right? That's why we can mess it up. We can repent and we can come right before our Father's throne again. Romans 3 tells us that the law was given to show us our need for salvation. But what the law couldn't do, which would save us, it couldn't save us, Jesus did. He fulfilled it. And now, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When Jesus rose from the dead, your spirit rose with him, right? When he was seated in heavenly places, your spirit was seated with him. You are joint heirs with Christ. You belong to God and everything that he has is yours. Jesus' inheritance as the son is your inheritance as his son and daughter. You have his authority to use in the earth. With it, we can see miracles in this natural realm. You can walk free of sin and guilt and shame knowing that you are a new creation spirit, holy, blameless, and righteous before God. And of course, this is great news, but back to the other two parts right quick. Now we gotta deal with the soul and the spirit, right? I mean, the soul and the, the body, soul and the body. And we'll talk about that over the next, coming, uh, next, couple, next week or two. But when it comes to getting a checkup, when it comes to our spirit and getting a checkup in our spirit, what do you need to do when it comes to taking care of your spirit and making sure that it is fulfilling the appropriate role in your life? I'm going to give you three things. Number one, the very most important thing, determine whether you're a new creation spirit. Right? For 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. The new living says... This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Well, how do we become in Christ, as it said, or belong to Christ? Well, we recognize what, what Romans 3.23 says. We've all sinned and fallen short of the Lord God. We, we recognize that our sin separates us from a holy God. We recognize our sinful state and, and, our, and our cursed, dead spirit. We recognize our position. Then what do we do? We repent, we confess our sin, knowing that when we do, 1 John 1, 9 tells us he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And, and understand this repentance part, this isn't, this isn't daily routine of messing it up and going, oh, sorry, Lord, and then doing it again. Repentance means to turn away from. It means I, I'm going the other direction, Right? You're committing that you're going to do your best to not go back to that. And even if you do, even if you mess it up from time to time, you're quick to repent and to turn away from it again and be determined to leave it where you left it, to not go back to it. Romans 10, 9 and 10, after that, says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. You recognize that Jesus was sinless and he went to the cross in your place to pay the penalty for your sin, to restore your relationship to the Father. You choose to place him on the throne of your life and you choose to make him Lord. You die to your selfishness and you choose that you're going to live from this day forward to please him. And when you do this, he joyfully comes in and he makes you a brand new creation. Righteous, holy, and blameless. You may have, you may have done this at some point in your life. And if you were sincere, you are a new creation. All of God's promises are yours. Jesus is, Jesus is your brother, and just like him, you are righteous and holy. And when your body takes its last breath in the earth, you're going to open your eyes in heaven. Amen? Amen? If you did pray a prayer along those lines, as I said a few minutes ago, but nothing changed. As I said earlier, 
you may need a little closer examination. Because the new creation spirit is the real you. It is righteous and it is holy. And those, what's inside of you, the real you, your spirit, whether it's alive in Christ, whether it's dead in sin, it shows through our body and our soul. That's why when we give up that dead, cursed spirit and we receive the new creation, righteous, holy, blameless spirit within us, it should start shining through even the rough exterior of our soul and of our body. Obviously, I'm not saying that we are always perfect in action and in attitude, but we should be working hard to bring those things in line because it grieves our new creation spirit inside and grieves the heart of our Father. And if we're a new creation spirit, we're living to please him. So, determine that you're a new creation spirit. Once you do that, the second thing I want to mention here right quick is determine to feed and strengthen your spirit. If you're going to be effective in use you, for God, you have got to strengthen and feed your spirit. We talked about this earlier, that Jesus is called the Word. He's also called the bread of life. I've got that in um, Matthew 4.4. 4. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, that bread there is referring to food that feeds the body. That's a good thing. We definitely need that. But right here, he's, he's talking about feeding the spirit. Again, this isn't talking about the physical body. This is talking about the spirit. It's also convincing our soul of the realities, the truth of the spirit. We'll talk about that later. But his word literally feeds us, the true us, our spirit man. As, and he does that as we take the responsibility of getting his word and reading it and digging into it and meditating on it and getting it inside of us. And, and, and some people get confused when reading the Bible and say, well, the, well, the, well you know, well, it's just, it's so hard for me to understand. Guys, every time you open the word of God, you say, Holy Spirit, speak to me what you want to say today. And trust me, he'll begin to reveal things to you. Guys, I know, I know of folks who didn't even know how to read in the natural, but they were given a Bible and they began to open it up and said, Lord, help me understand. And, and they learned to read in, in less than a year just by reading the word of God. The Holy Spirit will reveal it to you if you want to see it. Some people say things well, like, well, well, I'm not a reader. Well, become one. <laughs> become one. I, 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 I'd be honest, guys. I hate that excuse. You know, I don't really read the word because I'm not a reader. <laughs> well, don't read anything else, but read the word. Make the decision you're going to change. And you're going to begin to read it. If you're, it's too important. Feeding on his word, guys, understand too, it is not an exercise for the brain. It's a way for our spirit to commune with the word, Jesus himself. He is the word. Your spirit will receive the nourishment that it needs as you feed on it. It is food for our spirit. We, we chew on it by, by meditating on it, meditating on it and determining what it says and how we're going to apply that to our lives. It'll instigate growth and strength and endurance. You won't burn out. Many believers today are totally malnourished in spirit because they never feed on the word of God. And coming to church on Sunday morning will never cut it, guys. And if they're malnourished in spirit, they're probably also now malnourished in soul and body as well. Because the rest of our body, the rest of us follows. We follow our spirit. Another thing I want to mention real quick before we hit the last one. Another thing you can do is pray in the Spirit. This comes with being baptized in the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14.4, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Many believe that the, the, the translation would be better than the word edify would be to charge up, like to charge up a battery. How many of you wish you could plug yourself in like your phone sometimes and get a charge? <laughs> well, it says here, praying in the Spirit can charge you up. The English translation says, he who speaks in a tongue builds himself up. The New Living says, he who speaks in a tongue is strengthened personally. The Passion translation says, he who speaks in a tongue advances his own spiritual progress. Guys, I, I don't know what your background is, but the world has made this out to be some weird, goofy thing. It's called folks are going on TV doing some weird stuff. 
We, we have no qualms with some Buddhists over there, these inner chants, utterings of the soul. But, you know, the thought that a, that a, a, a believer could, could pray in the spirit in his personal prayer language, they're like, they are wacko, right? Guys, even some of the other denominations, even a lot of the Baptist theologians, even John Piper, who I highly respect, he doesn't believe this has gone or passed away. It's a move of God. He just questions who all it's given to. We believe it's given to everybody. That's what the word, let's see the word says. Anybody who asks. If you don't pray in the spirit, don't understand it. It's not some weird goofy thing. It's a God idea and a God gift. And we need it. In writing to the church in Corinth, Paul encourages them. He's writing to the church. He encourages them to practice the speaking in other tongues in their worship of God and in their prayer lives as as a means of spiritual edification. He, He didn't say just the apostles. He meant Christ followers. He says, you need this. You need to build up your spirit, man. God is a spirit. We pray in the spirit. Our spirit is in direct contact with God as we do that. We're talking to him by divine supernatural means. You want more information on that? Talk to one of our prayer partners when we close service. He would love to talk to you about that, pray with you, allow you to receive this free gift from God. The last thing I want to say about strengthening our spirit, guys, the more time we spend around fellow believers, the more we get strength and the more their stories inspire our faith and build us up. That's why we put such stress on community here at Harvest. We need one another. It builds us up spiritually. We receive um, opportunities to also encourage others and, and to begin to use the gifts that God has given us. Together, we are the body of Christ. If you're not part of a community group, join a community group. It's vitally important. It's a huge step. So the three things. Number one, determine whether you are a new creation spirit Number two, determine to feed and strengthen your spirit. And then number three, the last thing I want to mention real quick, uh, is determine to live from your spirit. Remember, you've got three parts that are vying for control. And the soul and the body have no issue double teaming the spirit to get, to get control of the whole thing. It's not the way it works. You are a spirit. People say, be real? Yeah, let's be real. Let's be the true us. Let's be the new creation spirits that God has created us to be, and let's let it flow out of our body and our soul. Remember that war for control. Live from the spirit. What I mean by that, determine this war that goes on inside of you. Determine that your spirit's going to win every time. Not going to give any place. The things the flesh tells me, the thing the mind tells me, all these things that I want that are contrary to God's word, absolutely not. I will not give them any room or any place in my life. The spirit, just declare over your life, my spirit is going to win every battle inside of me because my spirit is righteous and holy and blameless and it wants to please my father. No matter what happens, like Jesus said, no matter what happens in this life, no matter how bad somebody ticks you off, no matter how disappointed you are, no matter what, our response should be, Father, not my will, but yours be done. Just like Jesus said. That my friends, is living from the Spirit. Doesn't matter what I think, what I feel, what I crave, what I desire, our spirit wants to please God and to live righteously, so we choose to bring the other two parts into alignment with that, no matter what may come. Right? We'll talk about that further next week. We're out of time. I want to invite the worship team to come on up. You guys stand up with me. If you're watching the live stream, you guys just close your eyes with me for just a moment. I want you to do a little bit of a checkup. As we've been talking here, it may just be that you need a perspective change. You need to begin looking at things differently. You need to begin, you need to convince yourself Convince your mind that you are who God says you are. You are not broken down. You are not blemished and tarnished. You are not beyond use from the hand of God. You are righteous, holy, and blameless before God. Well, yeah, but I got this and I got that and I always whatever. Stop talking about the soul. Stop talking about the body for a minute. Trust me, once you've truly surrendered your heart to Jesus, he'll deal with those things. And he'll do it with grace and with love.
he'll deal with them. And if you are truly surrendered to him, you'll say, yes, Lord, even when it's difficult. But I'm talking about your spirit, man. I just invite you to close your eyes with me for just a moment. Whether you're here in person or whether you're online, let me just ask you, are you a new creation spirit? Your spirit is the true you. Are you still walking around as that cursed dead spirit that's living for itself? Or have you humbled your heart, humbled yourself, realizing that you are utterly lost and repented and accepted the sacrifice of Jesus, our Messiah, as your Lord and Savior? not sure you can be sure this instant you can make a decision that will change everything so examine your heart for just a moment choose this day who you will serve if you're here in person or whether you're watching online and you would say I have got to surrender to Jesus. Then in just a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer and I'm going to invite you to pray with me. You can pray along with me. You can pray in your own words. It doesn't matter because it's not about me. It's about you and him. And I told you the steps there. You recognize your current condition. You repent of your sin, turning away from it saying, God, I'm going to live for you. And you accept Jesus as the master and the Lord of your life. No turning back. <laughs> this isn't a flippant, flippant decision. From that day forward, from this day forward, you run all out after him. Let's pray together. If that's you, just pray a prayer like this. Say just, Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I recognize my condition. I recognize that I'm living for myself. I recognize that I'm not surrendered to him. I recognize that I'm lost in my sin. I recognize that I'm bankrupt and I deserve nothing more than judgment. But I thank you for Jesus who loved me so much paid my penalty. Not just my past sin, but even my future sin. He did it willingly. So Jesus, I repent of the way I've lived my life. I believe that you are who the Bible says you are. I declare that you're my Messiah. You raised from the dead and you are seated at the right hand of the Father and I want to be seated with you. So I lay down my old life and I allow you to make me a new creation. And I choose to live for you from this day forward, no turning back. Holy Spirit, fill me and empower me. Be everything you called me to be. In Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible makes a really big deal of this moment. There, the Bible is very clear that there is a celebration in heaven every time God creates one of these new creation spirits. So if that's you, we celebrate with you. It is truly the best decision you will ever make in this life on earth. Our prayer partners will be down here in just a couple of minutes and, and we invite you when they, when they do come down, come down and, and please, please, if you're here in person and, and you prayed that, please come down and talk to one of them and allow them to give you a little bit of direction and pray with you um, moving forward. Get plugged in, get plugged into the church, start reading the word of God. If you need a Bible, we'll get you one. If you wanna get water baptized, we'll work it out. We want you to move forward and to grow and to fill God's purposes for your life. With that said too, for the rest of us, 
Again, guys, we need to do an evaluation. Just close your eyes again for another moment. Many times I, I encourage you to ask Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? And I encourage you to do that. But I want you to look at your life and determine, am I spiritually malnourished? If you've allowed yourself to become spiritually malnourished by neglecting the word of God, I invite you to repent right now. And Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my busyness. I'm sorry for my excuses. I'm sorry for all these things. It's caused me to neglect your word and to allow this beautiful new creation spirit you've given me to become malnourished. Determine that you're going to make a change. Begin to dig in to the word of God. Allow it to feed you. Exercise it by being obedient. Then you can truly begin to be effective for his service. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.